Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So let's go in our Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 12. It's not the text, but it's where we went this morning, and it flowed well. Now, how many know if Jesus mentioned something one time in the Scriptures, it would probably do us all quite well to heed what it is that he had said? How many know if he says the same story twice? So if they can put up there Matthew chapter 12, 22, but I want it in the New King James this morning because that's where all my study notes for this lesson had gone, even though I didn't have them uh, here this morning. We're ready for them and ready to go. So we're going to go in just a moment over here. But so if Jesus said the same story twice, how many know there's probably a message that he wants to get across to you and I? But then how many know if he uses Matthew to say it, and then he uses Mark to say it, and then he uses Luke to say it, and then he uses John to explain what he said, how many know there's probably a good reason that it's there? Okay, so that's where I'm going to be hitting this morning for just a moment over here. And the scriptures amazingly says this here, then one who was brought to him who was demon-possessed. How many know if there was demon possession back in the time of Christ, then how many know there's probably demon possession today? Okay, what does it mean? And this is very important that you understand this. It's not the message, but demon possession has to do with the brain, has to do with the mind, and has to do with the physical body that's under the control and dominion of an evil spirit, a spirit of bondage, a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of fear, a spirit of self-hatred, whatever it might be, okay? And so the spirit oftentimes can be free, come on, because God lives in our spirit, but it controls the mind and the body, because the Bible says when the, the Gadarene was delivered of the spirit, there was something inside of him that got to Jesus because he wanted to be free, and I believe that was the spirit, but then it says he was in his right mind and he was clothed. So that's where we get that whole theology from. So in Matthew, it says over here, then one who was brought to him was demon-possessed. He was blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and the mute both spoke and saw. Now look at this next verse. It's very, very important that you get a hold of this here. It says, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Go on to the next verse. And, uh, and it says, now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Now, before we go even further, I just want to bring out something. How many know back then they knew that demons existed? It wasn't a question because the reason I say that is Jesus warned us of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, do as I say, but don't do as I do. But he also warned us of the leaven of the Sadducees which was the two religious schools of that day that was bringing all the theology of God to the generation. And the second one, the Sadducees, they did not believe in the doctrine of resurrections, and they didn't believe that man was the spirit aspect of him, which brought them to the place where they didn't believe in angels and they didn't believe in demons. Amazingly today, from the statistics I have from USA Today, 60% of Christians today do not believe in angels and do not believe in demons. 
They don't even believe in it. They don't believe in that whole supernatural realm. They're not taught about it. They don't spend time on that in ministry in there, which means that actually six out of 10 people that are out there in the Christian church, they believe that uh, they don't believe that Satan is a real person. They don't believe that he has attributes. They don't believe that he has character traits. They, don't, they just don't believe in it and kind of just ignore it. And yet we read in the scripture this morning, which I always try to tie in to the message, it said the tempter and its personal pronouns in the first person came to Jesus. And how many know the devil was the tempter? How many know the devil is also called the great deceiver in this time frame of history? He's also called the accuser of the brethren. Are you all with me right now? So the devil is not just a concept. The devil is not just a, an imagination that we have. The devil is a real person. And he has real personality. He has real attributes. And we'll be sharing probably about those in just a few moments. So let's go back to our text over here. Because not only does, is the devil a person, but the devil also has a kingdom. Go back to Matthew chapter 12. And keep it up up there, guys, for me if you can today. Because we're going to stay right in here. So it speaks of this here aspect. Everybody say, by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Verse number 25, go head in. And then look at the Son of God. Said, but Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, everybody say it together, come on. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Go to one more verse, if you will, and then we're going to come back to 25. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Go to 27, and then it says, but Jesus, everybody say, and if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Now go back, if you will, to 24, if you can, and we're gonna keep that verse up there because this is what I wanna build on for just a moment. Actually, 25, sorry. They're doing so good, amen. So Jesus, number one, knew their thoughts. Is that not right? So let me ask you a question. If he knew their thoughts, it tells us something over there. They're making accusations against Jesus that he cast out these demons by Beelzebub. Now we know that's not true because he cast them out by the Spirit of God. So it's huge that we understand this. Where is it and how is it that the enemy attacks our minds? It's in the area of the thoughts. It's right there in the scripture. And then Jesus said something. He says, every kingdom. The kingdom over there within the context speaks about a rule. It speaks about a dominion. It speaks about power. It speaks about the territory that is subject to the rule of a king. If, it's, if, if, if it says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, so apparently in the scriptures it is very clear that Satan is not just a person with the personality, but he's the king of a kingdom. And if he's the king of a kingdom, it teaches us that he has subjects that are underneath his authority in the kingdom, and it's called the kingdom of darkness. Can you all say amen? And so all these movies and things that we see out there about the dark side and all this here, how I many know this is all biblical stuff? And so we have to understand over there, not only does he have a kingdom, but he also is comprised, okay, of subjects in that kingdom that also understand their responsibilities, that also understand their role. 
So let me just summarize what the scripture says is the, uh, the kingdom of darkness whole plan is to steal, is to kill, come on, and to destroy. So that's what this kingdom of darkness is all about, right or wrong. But I want to give you a few things on here also that's very, very important that you understand. Now that you understand that the devil is a real personality, the Bible teaches you and I in the New Testament, it says be sober. That's a state of mind. It says be vigilant. Vigilant means to be on your watch, to be on your guard. And then it says for your, this is 1 Peter 5, 8, but just keep this one up right now if you can because we're coming right back. It says be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as what? Come on. As a roaring lion. Then it says something else. Seeking whom he may devour. If you don't understand this, the enemy has an agenda for every one of you in this here room. And the agenda is to take you out. Okay, and if you don't understand that, you'll never understand warfare. But before 1 Peter 5, 8, is this here. Submit yourself to God Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let me tell you, the key to spiritual warfare and understanding warfare today is your submission, first of all, to God. Because this whole thing isn't going to operate unless you're under the authority of God. Can you all say amen? So your submission, so it says submit yourself to God, and then it says resist the devil, and he will what? flee from you. How many know if he's not fleeing from you, but he's hanging out with you, he's feeding you, then how many know there's no sub submission to God in the first place? This is how you're going to win the war. So this is important that we break this every kingdom divided. Now what I've learned in 41 years is a simple fact. God delights and he says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren, that's you and I, to, get, to dwell together in unity. Okay, understand that. So, so God's kingdom operates by unity. Okay, righteousness, peace, that's relationships, joy. Righteousness is our identity. Peace is our relationships. And the byproduct of that is joy. And the kingdom of God, that the Bible says, is not comprised of meat and drink. It's not a natural kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom comprised of our identity, the righteousness of God. We're not trying to become righteous. He's made us righteous. And then what comes, if you're righteous, then you'll understand that this righteousness, the Bible says in Isaiah 32, I believe it's 11 or 8, it says the fruit of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance forever. Come on. So in other words, there's going to be a peace that's going to come forth from this righteousness, and then the byproduct of that is going to be joy. So it hits spirit uh, identity, hits soulish area, your relationships, and then it hits the physical body. So it says every kingdom divided against itself. The word divided means to part, to disunite. It means to differ, to separate into parts, our factions, to cut into pieces, to, it's called parting asunder and to lay waste. So I understand, number one, is if the enemy wants to get in to my home, the enemy wants to get in with my family, the enemy wants to get into my church, the enemy wants to get into your home, into your family, into your friendships, into your generation, into WCF, he's going to try to do it in this here area to bring disunity. And here's the thing that we have to understand. As a church, 
The Bible doesn't say to pray for unity. So many Christians, they, they're out there and saying, oh God, just unify your church, just unify the body. Don't waste your time. Now that went over so well, I can feel the brakes on right now. But let me just tell you what the Bible says, because if we're not lining up our prayers with the Bible, how many know the church has been praying to unify it for years? And it hasn't happened, and then people are wondering why. There's more division now than any other time. So the reality is the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So what we have to realize is we're the body of Christ. You will never see in the Scripture the bodies of Christ. But it's singular. We are the body of Christ. Christ has one body. He has one Lord. He has one faith. He has one baptism. Come on now. And he is one Lord over all. One, can you all say amen? So the reality is we are the body of Christ. We're not trying to become the body. We either are or we're not. So here's the key. God says keep the unity. So in other words, we got the unity and we're not going to just pray for unity. We already are unified. And, but God says to keep your eye upon it. Watch for loss. Watch for intruders. Watch for the enemy to come in in this area. It's exactly what he said. The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Are you all there? So Jesus brings us out. And he says every kingdom divided against itself. That's with internal, not external. It says is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself, it shall not stand. So if Jesus thought it was so important to bring it out and mention it three times and explain it in John 17, then how many know it's probably important for us to learn what this means? So he says over there, every kingdom, everybody say every kingdom, divide it. Okay, against itself is brought to desolation. Now this word desolation is very important. It means this here literally to come to naught are to come to nothing. It also means it is lay waste and it's stripped of her treasures. Are you all there? So apparently, according to the scriptures, we already have the treasures, but this unity coming in will strip us of the treasures. Now, a few years ago, I remember daddy, uh, when he had, my dad had passed away and then mom had passed and, and my brother called me up one day. And he said, Ricky says, uh, I need you and I need Grace to come on a certain day. We're going to go to the bank because Dad, he has a box in there. It's a treasure box. It's got all kinds of stuff. And he says, we don't know what's even in there. I knew as his executor that he had it, but, but it's there and we need to go in that thing. And I want you and your sister, I want you and Grace to be a part of that, okay? So anyway, so I had no idea Dad even had a treasure tag. I had no idea they had a treasure, but I had no idea about it. So we went to the bank, and to my amazement, I was shocked at what was inside of that box. Okay, there was money in that box, and I'm not talking pocket change. There was jewelry in that box. There was gemstones. There was diamonds. There was all kinds of things in that box. The reality is, I'm an, exact, I'm, I'm an heir to what's in that box. I didn't even know the box existed. My brother could have cleaned it out and I would have even known it. Here's the same thing with you and I. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Come on, what does that mean? You're a treasure chest for God. 
It's already in you. His goodness is in you. His love is in you. His faith is in you. His mercy is in you. His justice is in you. His very nature is in you. His character is in you. And his treasure chest is your heart. And the devil wants your heart. Come on. And so here, Mark Hazard said I could use this story. The pastor of Parkwood Gospel. He goes to pick up his Buick, his car, over at the Revenberg dealership over on Tecumseh Road. And when he's over there, it's during the wintertime and it was cold. I think this is in early January. And he had his key fob. And so he had saw this guy that had this electric start. And he always said, I, I just really wish I could get one of those electric starts. So he's talking to the mechanic, and he just mentioned that about the electric start. So I don't know if it was asking how much it cost or what it was. And the mechanic looks at the thing, and he says, Pastor Mark, you already have it. This button over here on your key fob is an electric start. Come on. How many know he had it? But it didn't do him no good because he had it until knowledge comes of what you're doing and to operate it, it ain't gonna do you any good. Listen, you have the keys of the kingdom. You have the name of Jesus. You have the authority to bind. You have the authority to loose. You have the authority to drive the enemy out. You have the authority to resist, to withstand, to oppose and kick devil butt. It's yours. But you don't know it. And if you don't know it, the enemy will keep you in a state of ignorance. That's why it says that the eyes, come on, of our understanding would be enlightened. If you don't have understanding and not illumination on it, you'll never enter into the inheritance of what it is that God has for your life. So let's get started now. You ready? Okay, I'm behind first service. Okay. So it says over there, let's go back. Everybody, come on. Everybody said, but Jesus knew their thoughts, said to them, come on, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to, what does the word desolation mean? It's not usually a popular word. If a neighborhood has nobody living there, we call it desolate. If it's uninhabited, it's, it, it, it's not good. Come on. We call it a wilderness. It's uninhabited. If you go to a restaurant, okay, and there's nobody, no cars in the parking lot, and it's the prime time of the day, or maybe one car, could be the chef, we don't know, but anyway, but how many know that's not a restaurant that you want to go to? Okay, maybe you go there, but that's not a restaurant I want to go to, okay? But if you go to a restaurant, it's crowded, it's inhabited. There's people that are lined up. They want to get in there. Come on. Then how many know it's usually got good food? And you'll probably go back because you tell your friends. Is that not right? It's kind of like church. I met people in the visitor's room. They got touched, and then they bring their friends in, and then they bring their friends, bring their friends, and that's how this whole thing goes. Amen? So it's not uninhabited. It's very inhabited. Matter of fact, Pastor Dave's over here on the front. Let's give God thanks for Pastor Dave and Mark. So glad he's doing so well. You look good, buddy. Come on. Okay, he could tell you how many visitors we're having, and it's, 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 it's an incredible year already for baptisms and visitors, amen? And it's just going like this, and we're just having a hard time keeping up. But to make a long story short, back to our text over here, the word desolation means lay waste 
And it means stripped of her treasures. If somebody's going to strip treasures, you can look at ISIS over in the city of Nineveh, and you can look at some of the cities that were there. That many of them were Christian cities out there. And what did they do? They just stripped everything that was of value, kept that, and just tore everything else down. So that's a sign of desolation. Those cities, that, there's, there's nothing that ruins, uh, nothing but ruins that is there. That's one of the definitions, ruin. But it also means solitary or lonely. See, when division comes in, it wants to isolate you. It wants to pull you over here. And, and, and the enemy will use these kind of thoughts. Ah, you know what? You just don't fit in there. You know, they just don't like you. And, you know, you're just not popular enough. Or you just, you just don't fit in. And it's like it's a big church. It's just, it's just too big now. And, and we, you know, you just don't have the same feeling as little, little church. And I'm not against big church. I'm not against little church. I'm just using what the enemy's doing to this church. And it'll put seeds in people's minds. Well, you know, we liked it this way when it was just a little bit smaller. The same ones were praying for God to increase it. Come on. But they don't realize that that disconnection has taken place inside of their lives. And then what happens is it becomes uninhabited, depopulated, unfrequented, and devastated is what the desolation means. But then the writer goes on, and this is in three of the four gospels, and he says, in every city or house, come on, divided against what? Itself, what's gonna happen there? It's not gonna stand. So it's not gonna stand, that means it's gonna falleth, right? Everybody say falleth. I believe if you look at the King James, it's not the new, it literally says falleth. And it means this here, it's used from a descent from a higher place, listen very carefully, very important, to a lower. Now, let me just state this here. Let me just state this here. How much higher can you already be than in Christ? Because the Bible says in Christ, you are seated in the heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, rulers of darkness uh, of this world. Come on now. You're already as high as you can get. But the reality is many people don't even know that. Or number two, division, isolation, disconnection comes in, and 100% of the times it's in relational areas. It's always with people. And so it says, is divided against itself and it will not stand. So number one, the word falleth, or if you want to call it not stand, means used from a descent from a higher place to a lower, used of those overcome by terror, fear, or also astonishment. And there's one other from Vines. It says grief. When grief comes in, and it's not processed with inside of our lives. It can be a paralyzing force that can hinder us. Now, this does not mean that we don't grieve because there is a grieving, come on now, when a loved one dies, when my daddy died, when my mom died. There was a grieving that went on. Okay, but you know what? I know where they're at. Okay, so that grieving is a natural because there's loss. I don't have my hero that I can call every morning. I don't have him in my life that I could call him every day. It's, he's, just, he's just not there, okay? But I know I'm going to see him again because the Bible says there's going to be one huge family reunion when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ arrive, and daddy's going to be with that. So I have that hope that we're going to connect again. I say all that to say this here. The word falleth means this here, 
to be overcome by astonishment or grief. And it also means to fall in ruin, the ruin of a building, the ruin of the walls, but it also means, listen very carefully, to be cast down from a state of prosperity. In other words, God's will was always, it's never changed, his word is his will. Beloved, my desire, my wish is that thou mayest prosper, come on, and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So people that have a hard time with the prosperity gospel, it's because they don't know the prosperous one. Okay, and they make judgments about this and that. Uh, how many know you can do a whole lot more with money used in the right way? Money in itself is not evil. It just depends who's got it. Give it to a drug dealer, it's gonna cause, you can buy women and can buy sex slaves and other things out there, but given to the gospel, how many know we can get them out of that trade? We can get them out of those things. Can you all say amen? Which John Bevere Ministry, one of the ones we support, is getting them out of human trafficking today and putting an elimination of that. Okay, feeding 1.1 million children a day from all the offices around the world to help the less fortunate around, it's a good work, but you can't do that if you ain't got money. So it's not wrong and not evil in and of itself. But here's what it says, fall from a state of prosperity. When people get divorced, it usually affects them financially. And then not only them, it affects children. And what I've also learned is poverty is not a blessing. Poverty is a curse that Christ has actually paid the price for that we've not be that way. Come on now. I know this isn't real popular, but I'm not here for a popularity contest, okay? I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to impact you with the truth of God's word because you'll never rise up and break that spirit of poverty off your life, your family, and generation. You say, well, it's always been this way, this way. That's good. Maybe it's always been that way, but you have the power now and the authority to break that off of your family and break it off of your kids and break it off of your life. But God's gonna say there's things in your life that have to be adjusted. Good preaching, and part of it's right here in the thinking. So also, are you ready for this here? The word falleth that we have over here, not stand, it also means, and this is the one that impacts me the very most, it means to lose your authority. Right from Dr. Vines. When you fall, you lose your authority. So so here's the key. Jesus said, all authority I have, and I've given you now that authority. So the dominion mandate, the authority mandate is already given to us. But listen, listen carefully. When division comes in and we're not resisting those forces, we're not resisting that spirit, what happens out there, it will 100% affect your authority in the spiritual realm. So let me just say it the way it is. In the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit. I command it scattered and shattered by the blood. But you have no peace in your home. Make it all you want, the devil laughs at you. It's not that the name doesn't have the power, it's not that it doesn't, but it's the subject that is speaking it forth is out of peace, and because they're out of peace, it carries no authority into the spiritual realm. And the enemy knows that. So he tries to get you in division, tries to get you into strife, tries to get you into envy, tries to get you into jealousy, tries to get you into bitterness, tries to get you off the track of what God has. And then, this is another one. Not only does it mean to lose authority, but it also means to lose influence. In other words, there was a time that Christianity influenced every part of Canadian politics. 
and the laws you can go into our parliament today in 2017. In every room you will see God be honored. God be praised. You'll see put on the whole armor of God in the parliament building. But because the church was so divided, we lost our influence. So it's just words over the parliamentary building today. God meant us to influence every hill of the culture and society that we live in today. The hill of the church, it's the first and foundational standpoint that God used that the other six building blocks all come on because there's seven, which is the number for divine completeness. And so the church, and out of the church comes the family. Listen, what's happening in our culture today, the attack against the family is attack against the very roots of Christianity. And if we don't understand this here, if we don't understand this here, then the church is just going to fall prey to whatever comes. And the next thing you know, it's going to affect your children and your children's children also. Then we also see it's the root of education is another mind molder. And then the root of government, political law, legislative. You get ungodly lawmakers in there. Come on now. And it's going to affect you. You say, well, I really, you know, it, 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 whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, no, no. That's an attitude of complacency. That's an attitude of comfortableness that the enemy has seated in to the church's mind that it doesn't matter if I vote. It really doesn't matter what happens. Yes, it does matter. And the evil is triumph because of the lackadaisicalness and the attitude of the church world. Then there's the arts, the entertainment. The athletics, the business, the finance, the money, uh, the marketplace. Those are the mind molders of the culture that shape it. But when division comes, it says that house is going to fall. It's not going to stand. Are you all there? So now that we got that, I remember years ago, a group of families come and met with my wife. And they were complaining. How many know complaining is not the best thing to do around her? (laughs) Okay. Or me. Anyway, to make a long story, hey, Zeth, we don't like we don't like the music. We don't like the style. We don't we like it the way it used to be. We like it the way it used to be. Now just hang on so you understand. So Pastor Kathy said, You guys got a few minutes. And he said, Yeah. So she brought this group together. And she sat them down and she said, Are your kids here? They said, Yeah, all, all our kids are here. And they said, Are your grandkids here? They said some of them had grandkids. And one of them piped up in the conversation, we have grandkids, we, we have great-grandkids. And how are they? Well, they love the church. They, they love it. It's not them, it's us. And I said, you're the, you're the reason that the church splits. You're the reason that the children disconnect. And it's because of you. You want it to be the way it used to be rather than the way that it's connecting generationally all the way through. And she just said, I want you to be the greatest cheerleaders and the greatest encouragers and the greatest ones that's going to lift up their hands and rally them and come alongside them and start being thankful that your kids are serving God because there's many out there that aren't. And start being thankful that your grandkids are serving God because, listen, if you think church is about you, you're in the wrong place. Church is about him, number one. And it's not about your agenda. It's about his agenda. And his agenda is there's a lost and a broken and a dying world that is on its way to hell in the midst of a culture of humanism and philosophies. And you're the light. You're the bright shining star. Go to Ephesians 6, and we're going to wind down, and Des and Kim are going to come right up. And everybody said, good preaching. Ephesians chapter 6. 
So let me ask you a question. Is, are you dressed today? I'm going to ask it again. Are you dressed? Why'd you just lie? I'm going to ask you a question in about 30 seconds. Are you all there? Now I got everybody's attention. Because how many know outwardly we're all dressed? But how many know life in the spirit is never lived outwardly? That's the manifestation and the byproduct of life in the spirit inwardly. And I asked the question, are you dressed? And I was not speaking aboutly because it wouldn't be very smart to come in here with no clothes on. How many can say in the natural realm? I remember Bishop Tony said one time, he said, this lady comes up to him and says, Bishop Tony, Bishop Tony, I, had, I was in the spirit and, and I saw a picture of you and you were naked before God. And Tony goes, man, that must have been some sign. <laughs> Okay, go to verse 10 of Ephesians 6 because doesn't came already. Are y'all there? Amen. How many remember your final exam? Oh, yeah. How many remember the last day of school? Yeah. How many know we call that final? Yeah. Okay, how many know your finals mean that's it? There's going to be nothing after this. Right, right or wrong? Right. So look at it. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the... Now, let me just say something. The word whole means complete. In other words, you'll see seven pieces of armor in just a moment, but listen, listen carefully. If you only got six pieces of armor on, you're not whole armor. You don't have the whole armor on. And let me just state this because you can get mad at me, and I'm not concerned about that that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's got a plan, he's got an attack, he's got a mandate, he's got a strategy, he's got devices, he's got an arsenal of weapons that he uses against your mind, he has a weapon against your family, he has a weapon against our church, and listen, listen very carefully, if we're not clothed, then we're not gonna be able to withstand. And the devil speaks about the slander, the one that hurls blow after blow after blow after blow to weaken you, blow after blow to take you down, blow. Why? Because not only does it hit blow after blow, but the idea of the word diabolos, which is devil, is from the word dia, means hurl a blow, but then blolos means to penetrate in. So not only does he want to wear you down, he wants to get inside. Amen. Look what it goes on to say. Next verse, very quickly, 12. Everybody say, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities, who else? Powers, who else? The rulers of the darkness of this age, who else? Spiritual host of wickedness, where at? In the heavenly places. That's the second realm around. This is the first heaven. There's a second realm where the demonic is in operation and the angels were. But then there's the third realm. The third heaven is the realm of God. And that's where you're seated. So you're above that second realm. Okay, so let's go on. So there's the strategy. There's the domain. There's the, the, the governmental structure of the kingdom of darkness. Therefore, what does he say? Because of that, take upon you what? Come on, the whole, the complete armor of God that you might want. Come on, be able to withstand or resist in what? The evil day and having done all to stand. Go to the next verse. They're doing amazing up there. Stand therefore having girded what? Your waist about with what? Truth. What else? Putting on the breastplate of right. What else? Come on. Come on. Righteousness. What else? Next verse. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What else? Above all. Taking the shield of faith with you. 
which he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wind. Uh, now, go, go to the next one. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then come on, praying all, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Just hold on that for a second, friend. Question number one, question number one. Did you get your loins this morning girt about with truth? Knowing on the inside your true identity of who you are because his word is the revelation of truth to your life. Number two, do you have on the breastplate of righteousness or do you struggle with, well, I don't know if I'm really saved or I'm, I'm really feeling a bit insecure today because I've had this here rough time with inside my life. I just don't really feel that I fit in and I just really don't believe that I'm accepted and I just really don't believe that I belong and I just really believe that I just need to hide and I just really believe I need to back away and I just really need, no, 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 you're the righteousness of God and the whole sin issue today is because you haven't awoken to who your identity is as the righteousness of God in Christ and it protects your heart because if the enemy gets those lies and doubt into this area. You're baked. You're out of it. Come on. Feet shot in peace. So many wars in families today over money. Come on. Over finances, over communication, over, over values, and so many things being challenged today. He gets you out of peace. You're, you're naked. The shield of faith. Are you speaking what you see? Are you speaking what he says? Because if you're only speaking what he sees, you ain't got your shield up very well. Amen. Bottom line, amen? Helmet, you got your helmet on what? To guard the thoughts and bringing them into the obedience of Christ. And then praying. Do you pray over grace for your meals? You don't have time to pray with God, to commune with God. You don't have time to, to guard your unity. You don't have time to guard your family. Don't have time to guard your marriage. Don't have time to guard, uh, guard your peace. You don't have time, but you got time for everything else. And the enemy is a master, and his number one lure is to get you distracted off the most important things. Amen. So let me ask a question now, and I want you to be honest. How many here say, I came in half naked today. Come on, with this armor. Raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Just raise your hand. Just, just, just raise your hand, okay? So, so now we probably got maybe half or more of them here, and I'm sure there's many more watching by live stream today, but the rest of us have the armor on. Des and Kim, go for it. Watch this. Oh, oh man. I need to tap out. Uh, already what happened. Uh, we just started. Oh, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. Maybe, maybe we're doing this wrong. No, 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 no. That's, that's not possible. You can't do it wrong. I mean, there's no, there's no right way or wrong way when it comes to prayer. Oh, we've been at it for a few weeks now, and we haven't seen any results. That, that's true. Yeah. We have been at it for a while. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with us. Wrong with us? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe we're not even really saved. <gasps> maybe, maybe our hearts aren't pure. I know sometimes temptation hits. I have a hard time resisting. It's true. Such a battle. Maybe we're not righteous. You know, you know, I, I have the same thoughts too. You know, that, that maybe we're not righteous. <laughs> but, but what am I supposed to say right now? sounds like you're getting frustrated. I think I'm getting really, really frustrated. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, you know, sometimes I get, like, really upset. <laughs> like, really upset. Exactly, exactly, me too. 
Sometimes I get so frustrated that I'm at a loss of words. Yeah, those words. things. Those things. It's like, it's like I don't even know what to pray anymore. You know, sometimes it really makes you question, right? I'm questioning. And sometimes you really even begin to, to ponder, right? Oh, I'm pondering. You even wonder. I'm wondering. Does this prayer thing really even work? I don't know. Yes, you. So guys, how is the intercession going? Oh, fantastic. Oh, we're man, doing great. It's right? great. You know, we're moving up mountains. Right? It's like a couple of prayer movers warriors. See ya. Movers. Yeah. So why is your safety equipment all over the floor? Or what? Your personal protective equipment. Are you guys trying to enter prayer without it? I, I had no idea that we even had personal protective equipment. We yeah. I mean, personal protective equipment. Guys, guys who, when you enter prayer, it's like, it's like entering a construction zone. You need protection. You, you need the helmet of salvation. Oh. Right there. That's going to protect you from crazy thoughts oh, that, that make you question your, your identity. It brings out your eyes. Oh, wow. Oh. This is what's going to keep you sane. Cool. I got it. Oh, this is great. You want to grab him his breastplate there? Yeah, good idea. Oh, that looks good. This, this is your shield, your breastplate of righteousness. Ooh. That's going to protect your vital organs, and it, especially your heart. And it comes with abs. <laughs> oh. Same. I get some too? Yeah. Yes! Listen up. I'm listening. The enemy. Okay. Oh, He's going to want to get at your heart. No. He's going to want to twist it. Not oh. that. He's going to want to weaken it. No! He's going to even want to pervert it. <sighs> but with this, this baby keeps your heart as pure as gold. Okay, okay. Um, can we just back up? Steps there, enemy. Uh, what enemy? The guy stuff, you've been yeah. battling with every time you wake up in the morning or enter into prayer. I mean, that's why you guys are so exhausted. Okay, okay, but hear me out on this. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Thank you. We're just gonna have to get rid of that stinking thinking. Oh! I'm a lover and a fighter. Ah! <laughs> 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 and you're going to want to put on a oh. pair of these. Whoa, what are, what are these? Those are your shoes of the gospel of peace. Oh, wow. Right. That's what's going to keep you from freaking out when all your circumstances start yelling, it's time to freak out. That's right. Wow, this is, these are solid. Sturdy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very. Can't good. believe the stuff was here all along. What is this? <gasps> that? That, baby? That is your offensive weapon, and you pierce the enemy with that. Oh, I got one too. Yeah. The word of God is more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, wow. Hey, bud. Yeah. But you won't be at a loss for words anymore, huh? <laughs> Not if I pray his words. That's right. <laughs> huh? You better believe it. Oh, the shield of faith. This is some serious armor. Wow. I don't know about you. It. But I got a second win. I'm ready if you're ready. Oh, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Yeah! Yeah!
Was that really good? Okay. Come on over, guys. Come on over. Come on over. I like that part about the abs. I need that. <laughs> okay. okay. What we fail to realize, and this is so important, is God's armor is Jesus. He didn't say, I have truth. I am the way, the truth. Come on now. The son of righteousness, that's Jesus Christ. Come on. The peace, therefore now being justified by faith, we have peace. All the way through, we live by faith. Why? Because the Son of God. When the enemy sees this, he cannot tell the difference between Shane and Des in Jesus because they're clothed in his garments. It's not Des and Shane's righteousness. It's Jesus Christ's righteousness. So when the enemy wants to bring a charge against them, how many know he's got to go through the Son because that's who's in him? Folks, if you get the understanding of what we're talking about, God doesn't want us to be on the defensive. He wants us to be on the offensive. We never, never want to just be holding the fort, that mentality. We want to be storming the gates of hell. We want to be advancing. We want to use the dominion mandate that God said to lift the eyes and translate people out of the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. But you can't do it in the battlefield half naked. Bottom line, thanks guys. Great job today, great job. Amazing. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand.